Welcome back, everyone, to Chip and Eric and Friends. Chip and Eric and Friends. Yeah. I'm Eric. Chip's not here. But I did find a smoking hot replacement. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh my gosh, they're going to know. Shh. I found a smoking hot replacement. She's um, the most beautiful and the most talented and the most amazing person in the world. It's my wife, Hannah Mosher. Mm -hmm. Hey, welcome, Hannah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. They had no choice. I know. Yeah, no one but me had a choice. Yeah, you suckers. <laughs> All right, if you guys thought I was off the rails with the other ones, just wait. Just wait. So, Hannah, you will be joining us every other Saturday as our reader. Mm -hmm. That's 26 times that these people get to hear you read the Bible. That's incredible. Yeah, for them. It's a privilege. <laughs> For them. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Hey, I'm going to do this now because I could wait, but I'm not going to wait. You have a little bit of pepper on your tooth right here. Thanks. You're welcome. Now everybody knows that you eat. <laughs> hey, today, guys, shocking. everybody, we're going to be reading Genesis chapters 15 through 17 and John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. And then we'll talk about how this helps us love God more and how it helps us love others more. But for now, let's get going on Genesis chapter 15. The Lord's covenant promise to Abram. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for I, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up in the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. He cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. When the Lord said, Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction." After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River and the land, the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. I'm awfully glad you got that little list there. Yeah, you're welcome. It would not have been a good hazing. Now Sarai, or Genesis 16, right? Mm -hmm. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. 
but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord, who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Genesis chapter 17, Abram is named Abraham. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully with the, and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you guaranteed to give you countless descendants at this time at this excuse me at this abram fell face down on the ground then god said to him this is my covenant with you i will make you the father of a multitude of nations what's more i'm changing your name it will no longer be abram instead you will be called abraham for you will be the father of many nations and i will make you extremely fruitful your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the lasting covenant. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Sarai is named Sarah. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, it will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, and he laughed to himself in disbelief. 
How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God said, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you've asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On, the very, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born, born there and those he had bought. And then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on that same day, along with all the other men, men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants, all were circumcised with him. Okay, now we're going to go ahead to John chapter 4. Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Oh, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, I will, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? 
So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Let's stop there because we're past the verse. That's bonus reading from bonus. Hannah. Hey, and that, sneak, sneak. Oh, let me say, and that, that is, is our, our reading, reading to, today. Good. Okay. You want to try that again? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our reading today. And we read it with two questions in mind. And the questions are, how does this help me love God more? And how does this help me love others more? So which question do you want me to answer, Hannah? Or do you want to go <laughs> Do first? I want you to answer? Yeah. Why don't you answer how it helps you love others more? Okay. How does this help me love others more? Man, so uh, you've got this tricky story, which, by the way, let me give you some rapid-fire Bible facts real quick before I answer that question. You ready for some Mm rapid-fire Bible facts? Let's go, Bible nerd. In Genesis chapter 15, we have the covenant ceremony. This is a suzerain vassal covenant ceremony where a suzerain vassal covenant means that there is one person who is of a greater authority, the suzerain, and one person who's of a lower authority, the vassal. In the suzerain vassal ceremony, they used to cut the animals apart and then they'd walk through them. The person who walked through them was the weaker party. And the weaker party was basically saying, may these animals represent what should happen to me if I don't keep this covenant. So to see God walk through and take Mm -hmm. the place of the weaker party, he's just doubling down on the fact that there's, there's no stipulations for Abraham. Like, he, he, yes, he needs to be circumcised. Yes, got it, good. But his faith has already made him righteous in the eyes of God. So there's no more to be done. Later, when we get into the Israelites' covenants, there's a lot of stipulations. That's where we get the law. That's the stipulations of the covenant. You want the blessings? You got to follow the law. You got to follow the stipulations. So I love this picture of God walking through the animals. I also love um, because Abraham believed the Lord, the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I love that so much. And that is the first instance that we see in scripture of a person saved by faith. And Paul will refer back to this when he's writing to the Galatians who get confused and think they need to follow the stipulations of Mosaic covenant of the law. Um, he says, well, well, hang on. Faith has always been greater than the law. Do you think Abraham was saved by the law? There was no law. So Abraham was saved by his faith, the same as Christians today. We are saved by faith. And so we have that in father with, or in that in common with Father Abraham, who was the father of the Jews, and now he's the father of faith. So that's cool, too. Um, then there was one more thing I was going to say, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, circumcision. What an odd thing. I know. What an odd thing. And I love <laughs> that you had to read it. Um, yes, thanks. But here's the thing. I did some research on this because I'm like, why did God require that of all the things? So here's the deal. God didn't invent that. When he said the word circumcise, Abraham knew what he was saying. Abraham probably wasn't thrilled with what he was saying, but Abraham knew what he was saying. And um, so the people who actually did invent it are the Egyptians. And here's the thing about circumcision in ancient Egypt. A common person was not allowed to be circumcised. Only kings and priests could be circumcised in ancient Egypt. And so what is Paul saying, or Paul, what is God saying to Abraham that Paul will refer to later? That's where I was going in my brain. What's God saying to Abraham? You're the chief of this thing that I'm building. You are the king over this thing that I'm building, even though he's not a governmental king. Mm-hmm. And he's the priest over this thing that he's building, not in the sense of the Mosaic law or even Melchizedek, but Abraham has direct access to God. So he's saying, You're you have the status of these things, and I want everyone who ever 
is part of this covenant that I'm making with you to have that same status and that same understanding. And so, yeah, very interesting. One more thing. I just think this is interesting and it ties into today. Israel is always running to Egypt. Hmm. Yes. And look, Abraham was like, I, I don't think God's going to come through on this kid thing. You know, so what does he do? He goes and sleeps with an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we see that happen. And then later there's a famine. They run down to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Later, we've got, the, you know, the Assyrians closing in and the Babylonians closing in later. And where do they go? They go to Egypt. And today, Egypt is is inserting itself into the peace talks between Israel and Hamas. Hmm. And it's just interesting that they always go back to Egypt. They're always running to Egypt. It is fascinating to me. And it, I don't know if it's coincidence. Yeah. I don't think maybe, but... It's just fascinating to me. Okay, so how does this help me love others? Hagar is the way that this helps me love others. Because here's the deal. When we push people out of our lives, which by the way, she was treated terribly. Mm -hmm. She had no choice but to sleep with Abraham, which if you sleep with someone unconsensually, that's called rape. Um, She had no choice but to sleep with Abraham. And so he sleeps with her and then she gets pregnant. And yeah, she starts treating Sarai with contempt. Well, if you had an unwanted pregnancy... Like, wouldn't you be mad at the person? Yeah, right, right, exactly. That's going to not be her heir, Mm -hmm. right, or not her son, right? Wouldn't you also be a little bit mad at the person who made you get pregnant? Like, I'd be mad. So they send her away. And you've got Abraham, who's the father of faith, the father of the Jewish people, and Sarah, Sarai, his wife. God doesn't visit them. God visits this woman who was rejected, who was thrown away, used and thrown away like trash. She's got no way to care for her son. She's just kicked out. See ya. Sorry, I got you pregnant. Bye. Mm -hmm. Right. God doesn't visit Abram and Sarai and say, no, no, it's going to be your kid. Yeah. Don't worry about me. Just go back to that. He visits her to the point where she starts calling God, you know, the God who, uh, what's, how, how does she say it? You're the God who sees me, El Roy. Right. That she changes the name of God in her life to that El Roy, the God who sees me. And I just love that because she's rejected, used on the outs. Um, she's not in the in crowd. She's out there. She's in the margins. And Lower God, social status. you're right. And God goes to her just like hmm. John chapter four. Mm-hmm. God goes to this, first of all, woman. Shocking that Jesus would speak directly to a woman. It's so much so that his, his disciples are like, what are you doing? Right? And a Samaritan. Oh, right? Like, those are half-breeds. Those aren't real Jews. Those aren't, you know. But that's where he is, and that's who he's ministering to, and that's who he's talking to. The disciples, the in-crowd, they're gone. Mm-hmm. He's not going to them. He's not going with them. He's here at the well to see the outsider that he has no business talking to. And so I just love that. Man. How does this help me love others more? If God goes to the outsiders, then I can go to the outsiders. If God's not concerned with the people in the margins and he's concerned with the people outside the margins, I can go to the people outside the margins. That is how we can love people more from this reading today. So Hannah, Hmm. how does this make you love God more? Well, I love that I got to read the... Samaritan woman, Hmm. because that's been a huge focal point in my worship studies. Uh, Exactly what I was thinking. And so it's the first time that, you know, Jesus really breaks the barriers of 
where and how we worship and it's basically saying you don't have to go here or there to her you worship in spirit and truth so it's a heart set a mindset um, that work together and um, so I just love that he makes worship and you know synonymous with worship just Mm -hmm. a relationship with him so accessible in this passage and um, with that you know accessibility you you go back to the story in Genesis and you that kind of pairs nicely with his provision and his ultimate plan. Mm. So you see his plan with Ishmael and then Isaac and you just kind of see that all trickling towards this story in John where he mm-hmm. talks to the Samaritan woman and he's he just everything comes to a head and he's like worship, you know, you worshiped me in all these ways. Now you can worship me in spirit and truth. I love it. So good. Yeah, and we don't have to get bogged down on the method, right? She's she it's so crazy. This is the crazy thing to me about this story. And we just read this like in the our previous reading here last year. But the thing that, that is crazy about this reading to me is she has this realization that Jesus is the Messiah. Right? I mean, he says it. I am the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's got this realization. She's been working through it. But she says, you must be a prophet. You must be a prophet. Like, to know this and to do into, you know, who you are. You must be a prophet. And he's like, you see me. And she's like, so tell me, prophet, if you're a prophet, why do we worship on this mountain and you worship on that mountain? That's her question for this prophet. <laughs> Right, like so, it's a priority for her. Uh, yeah, like she wants to know right? why. Yeah, she wants to know why the worship practices are different because she believes that she has the same God. And he says, "Well, you don't know the God. You don't know God the way you think you do. Jews have a better understanding of God because the Jews had the prophets." Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just love that. That like that's her first question because you're right. She's interested in that. And then exactly what you said, Jesus makes it like, "Look, I don't care what mountain you're on. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that." He says, you said it so beautifully that God makes worship and relationship accessible. And uh, I just love that. I think that's great. Cool. So then what you do with that is you take advantage of that fact and worship God with your life. Yeah. Not in a certain place, just on Sundays at church or even just in your personal devotions. I'm realizing like I've, I've been looking for opportunities to worship God in everything whether it's my kid doing good at school and coming home with a good report or even looking outside at my chickens and just, I can worship him with those too. Cause they're so stinking funny. And it's like, I, they are funny. I worship a God that created those little monsters. It's just, I try, I try with absolutely everything to worship him. I think that's great. And it's I think that's one of the everything. things that, and this will be embarrassing. You'll be mad at me. I think this is one of the things that a lot of people really admire about you is that you do have that heart of worship and that desire for that. So, um, which is what makes you a great worship leader. I but, think so. Hey, by the way, we start a new church tomorrow. I know. Crazy. <laughs> and Hannah's crazy. the worship leader. Crazy. Crazy. Yep. It's going to be awesome. Well, hey, we are very, very proud of everyone who's joined us. Sorry about the long episode, but I just couldn't resist telling you all those neat little Bible things. And um, we'll be back again tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow is the first guest reader. Ooh. Who will it be? Well, I don't know that I've said it yet, so I'm gonna let people tune you in. You should make like out. a little guess who game where you have to like, oh yeah, like with the person's picture. I know. What Do you're they have glasses? About. Yes. Do they have brown eyes? I don't know. Okay. 
well, the game ends there. And that's the end of the game because the person's <laughs> not directly in front of me. So, all right, cool. Well, we're proud of you guys. If this is your first day, thank you for joining us. Um, and if you've been on a, let's see, what would it be today? A 736-day oh, streak because you've been with us for day one. Thank you. We're proud of you. If you're on your two-day, three-day, four-day streak, proud of you. Today was day six, and we are almost done. So we will catch you guys. Hannah, we'll see you in two weeks. Give her lots of love on Facebook. Bye. <laughs>